Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored, as always, by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod right now. You can go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And of course, you can go to dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing the number four diabetes.com just to see adorable pictures of children with diabetes dancing. There's other reasons to go, but the cute kids are the best reason. There's also links in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you click on them, it helps the show. This is Izzy Meehan, and you're listening to the Juicebox Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 187 of the Juicebox Podcast. As you just heard, today's guest is Izzy Meehan. I know you recognize Izzy's name. I've spoken about her a number of times. She is a high school senior from Ohio who recently had a near-fatal car accident when her blood sugar got low. Izzy's on the show today to tell us about the accident and her recovery and what she's learned since then. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should ever be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. The first thing I do remember is waking up on Saturday morning, and the accident was on Tuesday. But the first thing I remember was waking up, they took the breathing tube out, and I said, what's my blood sugar? Hi, I'm Izzy Meehan. How old are you? I'm 17 years old. 17, okay. How long have you had type one diabetes? Um, well, I was diagnosed at 13, so I've had it for over four years. Mm-hmm. Your math is strong, Izzy. Very strong. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously, you're welcome. Are you a... Are you, seriously, you'd be very proud of that. Some people stumble. Are you, a, are you a senior in high school? I am. I'm a senior at Ursuline Academy. You're a senior in high school. You've had type 1 diabetes since you were 13, and you're on yes. the podcast today because... Maybe I have to start this out. Okay. Okay. So I feel like it was just still this year, right? It was in 2018. Your yes. Your incident, right? It was in 2018, mm-hmm. and and I got a note from from your mother. Um, she sent me a message, and very sort of uh, briefly explained to me that you had been in a car accident, and that she was hoping for people just to sort of send you messages of like good wishes and things like that. Yeah. And I have to tell you, like on my end, I was sort of like, wait, what's happening? Because a lot of people listen to the podcast and a lot of people read the blog and I know some of their names. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like there's names that pop up in front of me. I'm like, oh, I recognize that name. Yeah. And and your mother's name was one of those names. It's like, I recognize this person. And so we're talking back and forth for a second and I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. I'm going to, can we call each other? Because this is, I, I think I'm missing exactly what's going on. So the next thing I know, very because I didn't really understand the timeline of everything, I was speaking to your mother and she was at the hospital. I have to tell you that like from my perspective, obviously your situation was worse than mine and your mother's was worse than mine, but I was really like I felt like someone kind of like smacked me in the head with a board because suddenly sort of this person I just tangentially know through the internet is telling me this horrible story 
and I'm trying to both be supportive of what she's saying and absorb how I like even know you guys, you you know what I mean? And so, and so it was all very, very strange for a second, but, but I want you to sort of kind of fill in the space between that phone call and what happened to you. So you're at school one day and your blood sugar gets low. So I went to school that day and like I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before just because I was studying for a bunch of tests. I had a lot of homework and I was healthy during my lunch. And that day I had like an unusual lunch, like with a bunch of carbs and I didn't treat like I didn't treat for all the carbs properly and blood sugar went like over 300. And so I just kept correcting and like it was 300, I corrected 350, I corrected again. So I kind of just kept stacking it. I wasn't giving over what my pump said to give, but I just kept correcting. Mm-hmm. And then my blood sugar finally came down and I stabilized at around a hundred. Both of my parents called me before I left school to go to my ACT tutoring session, just to make sure I was fine. And like I was responding and my CGM, my Dexcom still said I was like stable at 100. So I drove to my tutoring session and I don't really remember anything about the tutoring session. Like the last thing I really remember was being at school that day. Okay. Well, let me, let me, let me go back for a second. Let me, let me unpack a couple of things. So you ate sort of an unusually large carb heavy lunch that you yeah. ca- you un- underbolused for at the beginning, but then as your blood sugar was going up, you're like, oh, geez, and you kind of kept after it. You felt like you got it back mm-hmm. to where you wanted to have it, and then mm-hmm. you and then you drove to a tutoring session. Did you did you complete the tutoring session? Yeah. Like, those things are so boring that if you don't remember those, that might have nothing to do with diabetes, first of all, or insulin or anything <laughs> else. I, I watched my son do those in our dining room. And I would pull my wife aside and I would be like, that kid is a trooper. I'm like, I would be asleep on the table by now, you know? Yeah. So how far was the ride from, like, so let's put some times on it. What time of day did you leave school? When the show ends, don't forget to check out dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. I left school around three o'clock. Okay. You went where for the session? Just, just to, to a library, which was about like 15 minutes away. Okay. Um, so okay. you're about 15 minutes away from school and you're at the mm-hmm. library. How long was the session with the, the tutor? An hour. How did you do on the ACTs? Have you taken them yet? Yeah, I took it a few months ago and I did good. So I'm finished now. All right, I just wanted to make sure that this was all worth it. So, okay. So you've got, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Hey, you're breaking up just, a, you're breaking up just a little bit. So let me ask you, are you on a computer or a phone? A computer. You're on a computer. Is there a cell phone near you? Yes. Can you move it away a little bit? Because I think you're getting like, yeah. it's interfering a little bit. Yeah. I'll move it away right now. Okay. Thank, thank you. Okay. That's good. It's a break in the tension. So, um, so you've completed the, the tutoring, which I'm assuming was an hour. And so with driving, yeah. what, what are we talking about? Like 4.30, you leave this tutoring thing maybe? Yeah, around 4.30 I left and it was 15 minutes from my house. So it wasn't a long drive or anything. And I don't want to like build unnecessary suspense because your, your story is going to be terrible enough. We don't need suspense, but you didn't make it home, right? Mm-hmm. No. No. Okay. So what ended up, well... I guess you don't know what happened, do you? Like, for real. Like, you. Well, no. Yeah, I don't remember anything that happened, but like, I know my both of my parents have talked to witnesses and 
they said that like they saw me passed out in the car like in the driver's seat and like um they like most people thought I was on drugs and the ambulance was going to give me narcan assuming that I'd overdosed on drugs mm-hmm. but my mom luckily used her find my friends app and knew that I was in a remote place of remote place in town so she called 911 and told them that I was a type 1 diabetic and they said, well, how do you know, like, that she got in an accident? She's like, I just know, like, she could, she could see my blood sugar, like, stabilized around 80. And she knew that the Dexcom got stuck there because it's done that before. I've, I've gone from like a 400 blood sugar back down to like 80, been stuck at 80 for like an hour, checked my blood sugar. And it was like, you've been lower than that. Right. So, so she, she felt like that she had seen this process before and she had this bad feeling. Plus you were supposed to be somewhere that you weren't, I assume. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's able to kind of jump in with EMS and let them know, hey, look, you know, my, my daughter has t- you're going to find her in a second, and she has diabetes. So she yeah. wanted them to know that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were pa- people said that you were passed out in the car. People said you were passed out in the car after the accident, or they could see while you were driving that you weren't conscious. They could see my head. They could see my head for. Like leaning forward mm-hmm. while I was driving. Gotcha. So you were out. Yeah, and they said that I was probably going over a hundred miles per hour. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What did uh, What did you strike that stopped your car finally? Um, it was like I hit a bunch of things, like like three mailboxes, and then just like um a big boulder oh. that kind of just stopped it all together that'll stop yeah. the car yeah yeah so, so don't is there any part of you and i don't want to make light of this but is there any part of you that wishes you could have been a little awake to see the mailboxes like pop up in the air like like in a movie or have you ever thought it through no not really so no. <laughs> so, so so is he it is incredible that you and i are talking it is incredible mm-hmm. that you're talking to anybody anywhere because you drove a car unconscious very fast into a giant piece of rock that stopped mm-hmm. stopped the car how yeah. how have you seen the car since since the accident oh uh, yeah we i saw I, i've seen pictures of it and it obviously from what happened it wasn't a like they weren't able to reconstruct it or anything <laughs> they didn't so. just throw a new radiator on it and you're driving <laughs> it around nothing like that I, my point is it was it terribly was it completely wrecked was it smashed in like yeah was it was basically like everything was pretty smashed in gotcha and it's just like i don't understand how i am how i am now like how i don't have brain damage how i can walk like i was in awe like after my parents told me this story and like how like like I wasn't paralyzed and how none of that happened. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so, okay. So this sort of takes me up to me talking to your mom in the hospital and I'm not going to remember it all correctly, but she started running over your injuries with me. And I even remember thinking, wow, that doesn't sound promising, um, in, in any real way. Did, do you know what the initial, like what did the what did the hospital staff initially tell your your parents about your condition when you got in there? What were their expectations for you? The Omnipod tubeless insulin pump is a two part system. It is completely waterproof, and it simplifies the management of your insulin dependent diabetes. The Omnipod system's innovative design allows you to live your life and manage your diabetes with freedom, comfort, and convenience. 
This small waterproof pod and the handheld personal diabetes manager communicate wirelessly to deliver continuous insulin based on your personal settings. Now listen, the idea of not being tethered to something is everything in my opinion. You know, you hear people talk all the time about, I wanted a pump, but I didn't want to feel like a robot. Well, I get that. But with the Omnipod, you just apply the pod and you're not connected to anything. And before you know it, and I have worn one, and my daughter's worn one since she was four, and she's 14 now. But before you know it, and this is my experience, you just forget it's there. Because it's tubeless, it allows you to swim or involve yourself in any of your physical activities without disconnecting from your insulin. I believe that it's incredibly important to have a constant stream of insulin when you have type 1 diabetes. I don't like the idea. If I had to take it off to take a shower, I had to take it off to go play a sport, I had to take it off for 9,000 reasons. I love the pump because it is with you all of the time, constantly delivering the insulin that you need. And it's tubeless, and it's easy, and it rocks. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to find out more, or click on the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. Oh, did I mention the demo was free and it had absolutely no obligation attached to it? There's genuinely no reason why you shouldn't do this. It'll take you two minutes online now. The pump will come to your house. You can give it a shot. What did the hospital staff initially tell your, your parents about your condition when you got in there? What were their expectations for you? On the first night there, they didn't think I was going to make it, and they knew that they were going to have to take out one of my kidneys take out my spleen. They thought that I broke both of my legs, which I I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Did my you, jaw was broken. You cut out for a second. They thought you were going to, um, they, they thought both your legs were broken, but yeah, they thought both of my legs were broken, but neither are broken. Um, and then they thought my jaw was broken, but it wasn't broken. Like they were just giving a whole list of injuries to my parents. Um, and then because of you and my community, like everyone reached out and was praying and like all these small miracles happened overnight. Like the next day, like they were like, oh, her lungs are getting better because they thought like I was like I wasn't able to breathe on my own. But then like soon I was like all these small little miracles were happening. But yeah, I still had to get my kidney taken out. I sleep taken out and I broke my right wrist and I had to get surgery on that and my um, like my finger um, and then like multiple breaks in my back and neck and I wore a back brace and neck brace but most like most of those are all temporary yeah I'll, I'll have to live with one kidney for the rest of my life but like it's just like that's not as bad as it could have been of course no I mean, it's incredibly fortunate honestly um okay so you said a lot there so first of all I, I didn't do anything. I appreciate you saying that. But all I did was I, I put up a like a special like bonus episode of the podcast and I asked for people to send like there was a link that they could go to at the hospital to send you messages. And I was just like, I you know, do that. And I was even scared when I told your mom, I'll do you know, I'll, I'd be happy to do that. But I thought, what if people don't do it? But can you tell me about how many messages you got from the people listening to this podcast? It was really so nice that you made that small podcast on me because I received so many letters, like hundreds of letters when I was in the hospital. Like I got letters from Spain and different parts all over the world and no one even knew me and they were sending me these kind letters and my sisters read them to me at night and it not only helped me, but it helped my family to know that they weren't alone. And 
and I look and I have a binder full of them and I still look at them whenever I need inspiration and they all just show like how the type one community is there will always be there for each other and that reaching out helped me get through all my injuries. I'm really happy that it had that impact and I can't thank everyone enough who yeah. who took the time to to reach out to Izzy. That was really special. Um, yeah. I was so scared it would be like three people. And because <laughs> <laughs> I because I just felt like I was promising in that moment. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was making a promise to your mom like like I will, you know, don't worry, I'll do something and people will reach out because she, what she would say is yeah. that the, the 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 delivery system for the for the people's notes were were sort of like they went into a queue, and then I guess the hospital actually printed them and gave them to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she said, like, there'd be certain times a day where just fifty or a hundred of them would show up at once, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's great, and and I just thought, thank, like, thank God that everybody did that. Like, I, I was really pleased for you guys because I couldn't imagine how much you needed at that moment. Yeah, we dis- did. You know, just a distraction or some hope or, or, or anything like that. So after the first night. After the first night when they said, hey, I don't even understand. By the way, I don't even in my wildest dreams understand what you do when someone tells you we're not 100% sure your, your child's going to survive overnight. And and mm-hmm. so the next day when you're still there and, and things are slowly improving, then it became more about triaging your injuries and and getting you on different paths of, you know, of healing. So w- did, the, did the spleen and the kidney come out? the day of the accident, like, did you come in and were those taken out like in emergency surgeries? Yeah, they were. So I came in and they performed that surgery and they had to leave me open overnight and go back in in the morning to see if they could, or if they had to take anything else out and they expected that they would have to. But then in the morning they went back in and everything looked fine and they closed me up and they told my family that it was a miracle that that happened because they were expecting that there would for sure be other injuries. Yeah, Izzy, you're a tough woman. Um, so, <laughs> seriously. Um, wow, how long were you in the hospital? Um, about three weeks. And I was supposed to be in there for six to eight weeks from, like, a normal person, like, who would go through that amount of injury. So not to, I'm not going to stick on the injuries too long, but in, je- in just mm-hmm. to, uh, why would someone try to call me now? Is he, while we're doing this, hold on a second. So, um, but, but broken wrist, that definitely did happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A thing. And that needed, I'm assuming surgery and things like that. Yeah. And then I wore a cast on my right arm for six weeks after the surgery. And you mentioned a finger. Was it disfigured? Did it have to be fixed as well? Yeah. So there's like metal um not in my finger but like um on the back of my hand there's metal inside mm-hmm. because i i broke a bunch of small bones in that and like my fingers were like disfigured at the time yeah, i bet and okay so i i know what a kidney does and we're going to get to that in a little bit i have to admit i don't yeah. really know what a spleen does uh but I guess it doesn't do too much because you're talking to me pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, the doctors, like we've asked the doctors, why do we have spleens? The doctors were just like, it's kind of unknown. Like we don't know that much about the spleen, but we do know that it helps like with bacterial infections. So like every time I get a fever, I have to go to the doctor and get tested. 
if it's bacterial, then I'm get, then I'd have to stay in the hospital and like get treated by the doctors there because I don't have a spleen to take care of the bacterial infection. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's by the way, that's horrible. But I, I uh, yeah, <laughs> like the spleen doesn't do anything except keep you out of the hospital if you have a bacterial infection. Uh, structurally to your face, they thought your jaw was broken, but it wasn't. But there must have been. I'm assuming some fairly significant damage to your face at the time? Um, yeah, at the time, like, my parents said, like, my face wasn't really recognizable. Like, it was all, like, puffy and red and, like, br- like covered in bruises. And, like, um, now there's, like, two small scratches that are barely noticeable on my face, which is amazing. Yeah, I saw a picture of you recently with, who were you with, Ryan Reed? Yeah, yes. I went to one of his race car events and met him there. Right. And I was going to say, like, I'm looking at you in the photo and I don't think to myself, there's a person who was in a horrible accident. Like you don't, yeah. you don't look like that, which is phenomenal and bizarre mm-hmm. and fantastic, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So six, so you're in the hospital. Now I've now corresponded back and forth with your mom in this time a, a couple of times. And I really did struggle with how much to be supportive and how much to leave her alone because I don't really mm-hmm. like know you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm yeah. trying to find my spot in this. But I would I would check in with her sometimes, and and there was this one time that she and I spoke, and I thought like I'd never been more proud of a person who I never met before, and this is me feeling this way about you. <laughs> and she told me that you were in the hospital. It was it was in the the beginning days of all of this, mm-hmm. and you wanted your insulin pump back because <laughs> because you didn't like the way they were managing your blood sugar. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So when I was there, um, there really wasn't any cross-management between a trauma patient and a patient with a chronic illness like diabetes. So Mm -hmm. the entire time, my mom was like trying to help the nurses and trying to take over, like saying like she knows what to do. And like I didn't want to ever eat because I would be 300 and they'd make me eat like 50 carbs and stuff food down me. And then they wouldn't give me insulin till 30 minutes later. So I'd go to like 400 and you know, you have to have a good blood sugar to heal. Like that's, if you don't have a good blood sugar, it's going to be even harder to heal. And like the nurses were great and the doctors were great. They saved my life. And, but the one thing was there was just no cross management between my diabetes and then the trauma I went through. Right. I just thought, well, that's a common story, first of all. Like most people who you hear of in extended hospital stays with diabetes say that just no one considered my blood sugar. And to your point, and it's always my point as well, is that healing is so tied to like in control blood sugars, right? Like that's, yeah. It's just such a counterintuitive idea. Like, oh, we need this person to heal, but we're going to let their blood sugar be 300. Like, just okay. And, and so, right. Yeah. But, but as your mom's explaining it to me, I was just so t- – like, I don't know what I was, to be honest. But I was – like I said, I was really proud of you. I was like, here's a person who just went all through all this. This <laughs> happened because your blood sugar got low. And you're still saying, hey, I need more insulin. What are you people doing? Like, I th- – th- 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 <laughs> seriously, because this is so important for people to hear, Izzy, that even – I mean, because I don't think much worse could have happened to you unless you ended up dead, honestly. Like, this is yeah. pretty, pretty incredibly terrible. And so – and still, you weren't dissuaded from what you knew you needed to stay healthy in regards to your type one. Yeah. And and I don't know how I'm I'm so interested in how you got to that point in just four years and at your age. 
Like, why are you, why do you feel so strongly about it? I guess. So before I was really tightly controlled and like nine months after my diagnosis. So I was like, that was, that allowed me to like micromanage and kind of act like a bionic pancreas. And like, I would see myself going though. I drink juice really fast and like if I saw myself creeping up, I'd like give a small dose. I don't like, I've always just been a perfectionist and, mm-hmm. and was really hard because I also wanted to be in the perfect range. Like I got my A1C to a, like how a normal person without type one diabetes would be. It actually got to a, a 5.1 at one point, but even at that and I only had 1% of hypoglycemia because I had the dex. I guess after my accident, like just having that perfectionist mindset still in my head, I just wanted to like have my blood sugar down. And I just kind of knew like, I'm not going to be able to heal well if my blood sugar is this high. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's really, I mean, you would think like from an outsider's point of view that this would happen to you and you, and you would think, Hey, you know what? I'm going to just be okay with 200 for a while, but you, you really weren't, you were just, you just really yeah. didn't lose focus of what was important. And it is really something that we talk about on the podcast once in a while. And I've said it a bunch of times and that, you know, people are, people will say like, well, what about like overnight or this, or, you know, you don't want something terrible to happen. And of course no one wants something terrible to happen, but but that idea of trading now for later is 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 real. You can't you can't pretend that leaving your blood sugar high for years isn't going to have some effect on you down the road. That's not mm-hmm. going to be that's not going to it's going to be detrimental. Yeah. And and so, how do you safely do this? And do you still have any idea how? Because I'm like as we think back to the timeline of the accident, like you know, what time did you give yourself insulin? It was it was hours before, right? Like it all caught up to you at once and just kind of kind of pushed you down. Do you know? Yeah. Like, let me ask you this: Do you know what your blood sugar was when the EMS got to the the accident scene? Very few times in my life has something or someone surpassed my expectations. Every time I've had contact with them. Years and years ago, Arden started using a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor when they were at version, like I forget what it was called, like uh, 7 plus. And it was an amazing leap. It wasn't perfect, but it was so much better than what we had prior. And then they came out with a new revision. I think that was the G4, then there was the G5, and now there's the G6. And each time a new product has come to market, things have gotten better and easier and more accurate, and they've helped to make diabetes a smaller part of our life. I think that's an old tagline from Omnipod, but it really does fit in this example. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor feeds back the information for my daughter that allows us to make adjustments to her blood sugar that keep her blood sugar where we want it to be. In a life where nothing is assured, the Dexcom G6 is the closest thing I've seen to comfort, convenience, and confidence in over a decade of living with type 1 diabetes. And I bet you the next version, uh, whenever it comes out, I'm not saying I know, but I bet you it's better again. Dexcom, their employees, and the products they make are absolutely life-changing. And I believe, forget you, for me, I want to be involved with them. As long as they're making diabetes devices, I want my daughter using them. Consider going to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box today to get started with the Dexcom Continuous Glucose Monitor.
Do you know what your blood sugar was when the EMS got to the the accident scene? I'm pretty sure it was 31. Had you ever, had you ever, did you seize? Do you know? No, I hadn't ever seized before that. Okay. And did you have a seizure then or did you just black out or do you, did they not really put a, a description on what happened to you? They didn't really put a description on, but I think I just blacked out in the car. Where do you feel your lows at? Like, when do you start thinking, oh, I need some something? Um, so before the accident, since I was so tightly controlled, I had a really hard time feeling my lows. Mm-hmm. And that's why I use the Dexcom to always catch my lows. Like, it's kind of like a GPS. Like, if you learn how to drive off a GPS, you never actually learn the directions. And you're kind of dependent on the machine. And that's kind of how I was with my Dexcom. Right. Um, so... I didn't really feel them until I got in the low 50s before the accident. Okay. And and in a dropping now, situation, now you feel them when? I'm sorry. Um, now I kind of feel them in the 60s because I've been trying to run myself a little higher, but obviously still taking good care of myself, especially with the one kidney. But I just find myself that I'm not spending as many hours, like micromanaging everything. And I just like try to stay stable, but like between 120. 120- 140 between about 120 and 140 yeah yeah well that's still it's you know that's excellent it's not yeah yeah it's it's nothing uh that's nothing to be ashamed of that's yeah. for certain yeah uh, and so because you are now how many months removed from the accident um about nine months nine months wow you bounce back faster than carson wentz <laughs> which is a football <laughs> reference that only people in Philadelphia might understand, but that's fine. Uh, it's, it, it, just, it is such an incredible turnaround in such a short amount of time. Are you astonished by it sometimes? Do you? I am. Like It, it doesn't feel like it happened this year. Like I missed a whole quarter of school, college applications, and AP, which I'm still working on my applications then. But I'm mostly all caught up now, and it just kind of feels like it never really happened, even though it was like such a big part of my life. It's so interesting too, even when you're, I was talking about this with my son in the last six months about the passage of time and the, that mm-hmm. idea that, that sometimes a day can drag on forever. Um, a week can feel like it takes forever, but then a month feels like it goes by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And you know, and then I, I, you, you sit down at Christmas and you think it, it was just Christmas. Like how did this happen? But how many days did I live through yeah. that at two o'clock in the afternoon? I was like, Oh my God, this day is never going to end. And you know, and so the mm-hmm. time is as you get older, you'll see as you get older, you, you start having a different feeling about it. But when you're younger, it, things feel like it's like they're flying by constantly. Um, and, and it really is, it's just really kind of spectacular how quickly you bounce back. Have you always, I know this is going to sound like a random question, but have you ever been a, have you always been like a fast healer? Like do you get a cut and then wake up the next morning and go, Oh my God, it's gone. Or you know, like, seriously. Like I've never been one to complain a lot or like didn't really talk about my diabetes. A lot of people, cause like I didn't want to be like dramatic or anything. And it was kind of embarrassing for me to talk about it. So like I never, I like always tried to push through my pain and like, which I think like has made me stronger, but has also taught me that being so like, um, isol like I-, I isolated myself because of my diabetes, but from the accident, I have definitely like reached out and like been more open about it and been more accepting about my diabetes. But I've, but 
No, I wouldn't call myself a faster healer. I would just say that I'm like going off the perfectionist thing. Like I just like tried like everything to get better like right away because I do not like being independent on other people or dependent on other people. I hear you. So you just willed your way through it. You were like, yeah. I don't care if I drove into a giant boulder or not. <laughs> I have to get up now and do other stuff. And, yeah. And what what kind of other stuff do you do? Did you play sports in school? Um, I played volleyball and. I actually quit right before my accident because, I mean, I loved volleyball and I was, um, and I, like, to get to be libero for my uh, school, um, but, like, I did not like having high blood sugar and not being able to, and I was always worried about that, and now, looking back on that, I feel like if I ran myself a little higher and just, like, accepted things, um, then it might have been different. So you're so this is very interesting because you mentioned a five one A one C at one point, which is insane. And and yeah. my daughter's last A one C was five four. The only real difference between well, there's two differences between you with a five one and her with a five four. Two things are is that I'm helping her with her management, so it's not all on her. Yeah. And and the other thing is is that I don't worry about spikes too much if they happen like if you if yeah. you could see most of Arden's 24-hour like Dexcom graphs she gets high a couple times a day and yeah to us, and to us highs like 150 or 160 and you know we'll do something about it every once in a while um you know something happens where you're like oh geez like last night she went to get in the shower and her blood sugar was like 73 and I said why don't you just wait a second like, I have a feeling it's going to try to fall and so the arrow kind of turned diagonal down and she's like, I know what to do. And she grabs food and eats it and goes and takes a shower. And, and while she's upstairs in the shower, like I see her blood sugar, it goes to 75, it stays, it goes to 85, it stays, it goes to 90, it stays. And I was like, oh, wow, she really did a good job with this. And I stopped paying attention to it. And then she's downstairs. And she, in my mind, she takes really long showers. So I was like, oh, this has been a while. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I hear, I hear like the beep, beep that she's going over 120. And I look and she, her arrow's straight up. And I thought, it's funny, I'd forgotten about it. I said, what did you eat? And she's like, when I was like at 70, I was like, yeah, what'd you eat? She goes, I had two Oreos. And I was like, oh, well, we should have <laughs> given you some insulin for those Oreos. And yeah. so I gave, I'm like, let's try this. Gave her a little bit. And five minutes later, you know, her blood sugar was like shooting up. And so I bolused more and it, and an hour and a half later, yeah, hour, hour and a half later, she was like back to like 135 and she was in this steady decline that happened, you know, 135, 130, very slowly over the next yeah. hour or so. And, uh, and she was really great overnight. There was, the blood sugar was pretty stable overnight around like 95 or a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm not like, I don't like, unlike the way you're describing like that doesn't make me mental. Like, like you know, I'm not. I'm like, I'm, I don't feel like, oh my god, we screwed up, or like, I just don't have those feelings. But there was a point yeah. in time where, when stuff like that was happening to you, you were, you felt like, oh no, I'm supposed to be doing better than this, and you don't feel like mm-hmm. that anymore. And that's good, by the way, because you shouldn't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, it would have been nice if you could have figured that out without driving into a rock. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. But, but, but I'm glad that positive things are coming out of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> seriously. Mm-hmm. How does this do – this is a completely ridiculous question. What does something like this do for your overall popularity in high school? Um, do, you be, do you become like that girl that lived through the car accident? 
I mean, kind of. Like, everyone knows who I am now. Like, <laughs> you'll mention my name, and even, like, people from last year will be like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Are they like, that like, girl almost died. <laughs> like, right? Um, like, is <laughs> Maybe not in front of me, but I'm sure they say that. Oh my God, you're walking down the hall at least 20 times a day. Somebody's like, "That girl almost died." You know that girl? And so, <laughs> no, so to to be serious about that for a second, um, I don't have that experience in my life. I, I have not come close to. Well, you know what? That's alive. Into I've been in a couple of motorcycle accidents as a young person where I looked up and thought, "Who?" I almost ate that telephone pole, but I wasn't really, I wasn't hurt. Like, do you know what I mean? I just yeah. went flying mm-hmm. through the air and was kind of okay. And so, yeah. um, do you have enough distance from this at this point? Do you have enough maturity, enough perspective to tell me what it's like to come that close? I mean, yeah, like it doesn't bother me about it or anything. It's just hard, hard just if I don't remember the accident. I got you. So, so you think may, may, maybe if it was more of a you like actually experiencing it consciously, like if it was just an accident that, that you think maybe you'd have more perspective, but you just fell asleep, woke up and were hurt. Yeah. Um, the first thing I really remember, or the first thing I do remember is waking up on Saturday morning and the accident was on Tuesday. Um, but the first thing I remember was waking up they took the breathing tube out, and I said, "What's my blood sugar?" Yeah, girl, very good. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's my blood sugar? You, I know you people aren't doing this right, and I'm uh, I'm on a roll here with my A1C. So, um, yeah. And and did people laugh at that? No, like. No. It, cause pre- it was just because, like, it was the first words I talked, and, like, I was just confused. Like, I thought – my like, I asked my parents, like, did I go low overnight? Like, I thought I was in the hospital from an overnight low or something. Oh. And then they told me I was in a, in a car accident. And then I asked, like, if anyone else was hurt. Was but, nice. See how nice you are? <laughs> Jeez. I, I probably wasn't your car, right? Who Who lost their car in this, your mom or your dad, by the way? It was my car. It was your car? What kind of car was it? Because it held up. It kept you alive. It was a Ford Escape. All right. Ford Escape. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, so now here's my next question. From your from your perspective, did your parents, do your parents, you know, have they, do they still, do they treat you differently? Like, did life change around your house? Do, are people more... I don't know. Like, does everybody feel like they're on borrowed time with you or has it been weird or how, how do you find your interactions with your loved ones? I mean, like at first, the first few months, like my dad stayed home, skips a ton of work. My mom was by my side 24 seven. Both of my, my two older sisters like took time off of college and came home and they would come visit like every single weekend to make sure I was okay. And like, just spend as much as time with me. And they still do, but I mean, not as, not as much like, like a 24 seven watch anymore, but like, um, have you ever, looked, def- have you ever looked across the room and thought, Oh my God, they're staring at me. Uh, <laughs> well, my mom might've done that before my accident, anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have caught them staring at me before. <laughs> so it's very, you, you know, obviously it's not, it's not Apple's to apples, but you know, and you have two older sisters, right? So you have two, yeah. you're, you're the youngest. But my son just left for college a few weeks ago 
and we went and visited him for there's a family weekend, you know, three weeks into the the, the time, and we're eating we're eating dinner before we're getting ready to drop him back off at his dorm and go home. And I had to stop myself from just like looking at him, mm-hmm. like like you know like in the course of a regular dinner conversation, your eyes go all over the place. You start talking to this person, yeah. talk here, and I just found myself thinking like, look at him because he's gonna leave. You, yeah, you, you know, and it um, and then I had to stop myself because like, don't be a creepy person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that was my second thought. Like, yeah. stare at him. No, you know, what? don't be creepy. Um, yeah, but but it it is. I I'm just imagining that they reverted in their minds to you being an infant again, and they were just like, oh my god, like don't let her pick that up off the floor. Don't let this happen. Don't let that happen. Like stare mm-hmm. at her, stare at her. I can't I can't really imagine. Your mom was. I, I, I thought when I was speaking to your mom, she was incredibly strong, and I mm-hmm. and I felt like she was dazed, and I, that seemed very expected to me. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? So now nine months later, how frequently do you think about it, or do you not? Um, I mean, I don't think about it as much as I used to, like. When I was in my braces, like, I just had that to remind me every day. But now, besides, like, the scars I have, like, I don't really think about it as often. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe, like, once or twice a day, I'll just think about it. But, it, like, not for a long time. Just, like, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> I have this, like, when I think about you, um, which I do sometimes, but, again, not, <laughs> not a creepy amount. And so, but, but when I think about you, I always... I always, my brain jumps to the randomness of what happened to you because your blood sugar got really low and you lost consciousness. You happened to be driving. Had Mm -hmm. that happened during your A1C, or your, your, excuse me, so so many, so many acronyms Um, in in your, you were in SAT prep, right? When you were in your prep class, Mm -hmm. ACT prep, when you were in your ACT uh, prep class, had it just happened then then there would have just been a panicked like person in a library going, "Hey, can someone help me? This girl just slumped over on the table," and right, and, yeah. and and someone would have come and given you a little glucagon or done whatever they did, and then you would have sat up and been like, "Yo, what's up?" Like, <laughs> you, you know, like, like, like and your and your life would have went forward from there. Yeah. It's it's the randomness of it that throws me off because think of all the things, the confluence of things that had to happen. Like you go have a meal that's un common for you so uh-huh. you're not as you're not as sure about how to bowl is for it yeah but you do know i'm gonna stop this arrow i'm gonna stop my blood sugar from going up then it levels out on you and you're in a good spot and then you live for a long time after that with a blood sugar that looks really great you uh-huh. feel fine um listen dexcom i think is an amazing tool but it's still a, it's still a machine and i'm yeah i mean we've all had a moment where you know, somebody's seen a quick drop on a blood sugar mm-hmm. and it takes it five minutes to catch up and today, you know, yeah, it happens. I mean, see, even that's random. I, I bet you that I see that happen to Arden once or twice a year. I'm like, oh, wow, she's lower than it says she is. By an, and, yeah. and in a situation where it's like, oh, let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that had to happen to you then, like in that, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's so much randomness to it, which is mm-hmm. sort of the beauty of life. And yeah. Also, what can scare some people about it, mm-hmm. but but I want to ask you, like right now today, would you consider yourself a person who sees the beauty in the randomness, or are you afraid of it now? 
Dancing for Diabetes spreads awareness through the art of dance to better educate the community, raise funds to find a cure, and inspire those with diabetes to live healthy and active lives. Please join us on November 10th for the 18th annual Dancing for Diabetes at the Bob Carr Theater in downtown Orlando. Tickets are on sale now at drphilipcenter.org. You do not want to miss this. Would you consider yourself a person who sees the beauty in the randomness or are you afraid of it now? No, I mean, I definitely see the beauty in the randomness because even though that everything that could have went wrong that day went wrong, like like you said, like the food I ate, which made me go high, and then the stacking, which eventually got me down and my CGM said that I was stabilized but I actually probably wasn't, even though that was wrong. And like all this random things, I still see like the beauty in it because it's made definitely made me more accepting of my disease. And I've immersed myself more in the type one community before I really didn't know that many type ones. And I had, there was no one at my school, no one at my volleyball, on my volleyball teams. And I just, and I didn't want to go meet any type ones because I was just like, well, I don't want to like, this isn't, this disease isn't me. So like, I don't really care about meeting other people. But after I saw how the community reached out to me, I realized that I had been missing out and meeting so many type ones has just helped me get through so much. Well, so a couple of things, um, Describe a little bit for me before this happened. Like when mm-hmm. you said you kept to yourself about it, like you weren't, were you hiding? Like you're like, what kind of pump do you have? Omnipod. Okay. And so like, was that something you would hide or, or you didn't care if someone saw it? You just weren't going to be the person to engage in a conversation about it. Um, I mean, like, I don't really like, it was never really like outside that people could see, like it was always under my clothes. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess it was kind of hidden, but like, I wasn't really purposely doing that, but like, I, like when I, like when I bolus for food, like I would try to like do it like in my pocket. So like kind of secretively, like just so like no one would make a big deal out of it. Cause I'd like, didn't want to have to answer all these questions. Like my friends knew and stuff, but even with them, like I would still kind of try to be like, I would try to hide it a little, but I gotcha. now like the whole city knows and a bunch of people around the world know. So like you're out now. Out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, because so you, um, did you do work with the JDRF in your, in your town prior to this? Yeah, I did. I was a JDRF ambassador my sophomore year. So I did some of that, but I was playing volleyball at the time. So like I had to miss a bunch of events and like, um, and yeah, I went to all like the, there's like a, Thing called type one teens dance um in cincinnati so i went to all of those for four years and and your your chapter tell everybody what chapter you 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 belong to of the jdrf oh southwest southwest right and, yeah and and so somebody sent me it was a video of you speaking at i guess the gala maybe yeah right mm-hmm. a number of months ago and yeah. i and i what i thought was hey i heard this girl wasn't like talking very much about this stuff and you were up there really really doing a great job and i have to ask you a question because i've wondered about this for a while Mm -hmm. during your talk 
I felt like you were talking about the podcast without mentioning it once. Were you or did I misunderstand that? Because you were talking about support you got from the community. And I thought you were talking about like the letters and everything like at the hospital. Is that what you meant? Or what were you talking about in that when you gave that speech? Yeah, it was like for sure, like mostly like all the letters I received from the podcast. And then just like um, just like the people from the JDRF JDRF of Southwest Ohio like sent me like car like even more cards like specifically just from that but like mostly just like all the people around the world who have type 1 or who are living with someone with type 1 um, from you mentioning me in your podcast that were just sending me all this love. So all I'm saying is what happened was I was watching it and my wife was working from home and she watched it too. And mm. I said, I think she's talking about the podcast. My wife's like, she's not talking about you. Shut up. And I was like, <laughs> I don't mean it like that. She just always thinks I'm anyway, we've been married too long, but that's not the point. Uh, the, so, but so yeah, you're giving this big talk and and I was like, wow, that's amazing. There's a huge group of people. And then a month or so later, your chapter contacted me about speaking at your Type 1 Nation event, which I'm going to come out and do pretty soon. So we're going to get to meet in person, which I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to. I am too. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just, it's great that you... It's great that you found community in some way. I'm so sorry, it, obviously, how it happened. But yeah. But I think it's important because you described just being alone and being the only one in your school. Like even Arden has a handful of kids with type 1 diabetes in the school. And even though she's yeah. – my, my daughter's not friendly with the people who have type 1 in her school, and not for any reason other than they're maybe in different grades or just not in her friend circle or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she knows they're there. You, you, you know what I mean? Like they walk by each other in the hall. There's got to be some sort of a feeling of, hey, that kid's got diabetes like me. And yeah. And my daughter does also have a couple of really good friends that she's met online Mm -hmm. um, that have type 1. So she has that as well, which is – I see – it's interesting how I see it because I think Arden thinks about herself the way you do. And and I don't don't believe she sits around thinking, oh, I have diabetes or, you know, I'm a person. I don't think she has a lot of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do see sometimes she'll say to me – like I was talking to Yanni the other day and her blood sugar's like this and mine was like that. Like there's just this and hey Yanni, what's up? Because I think she listens and her mom does. But um but there's just that nice moment where there's some sameness. Y- yeah. You know, and I'm really happy for you that that you have that now too. Mm-hmm. Um can you tell me, are you doing like what's the concern as far as the doctors have told you about being a person with type one and having one kidney? So there really hasn't been too many people in the world who have experienced having type one with one kidney. So there's not that many like things that they can compare it to, but they said like keeping your blood sugar under control is the main thing with having one kidney. Like that's, what's going to keep that kidney healthy. And so I can live like just like a normal person would, which kind of makes it a little like even harder for me than it was before because I feel like I have to make my blood sugar even better but like obviously I know that <clears throat> excuse me no, of course uh, obviously I've no I know that like I've released all like a bunch of stress of going high and stuff but then having one kidney makes me stressed out too because I feel like my blood sugar needs to be more under control but at the but the doctor said, like, as long as it's, you know, in a normal A1C, like, 
I really shouldn't have any complications with yeah. it. Well, I have to tell you something, Haley. If this wasn't such a sad story, I would totally call this episode having one kidney makes me really stressed <laughs> out. Uh, but I won't be doing that. But still, as you said, it, I was like, oh, that's the title of the episode. <laughs> um, well, listen, I can't imagine like it, diabetes is already enough. People really, people who have type one don't need anything else. They don't need healthcare yeah. concerns. They don't need insulin pricing concerns. They don't need one kidney concerns. They've really got enough already. Yeah. Um, um, but this is, you know, as, as if there was a good time to have something like this happen to you, which there's not, it's not a terrible time because I know you're like, I think you're still using the Omnipod, right? Yeah. Okay. And you know, we are all very close to artificial pancreas world where, mm-hmm. where your, your range should be able to be, you know, more closely controlled without so much effort from you. And, and hopefully, you know, on that, on that device that's coming in the future, hopefully that low blood sugar really doesn't happen. Maybe, yeah. y- you know, like maybe that's, that, that's the, um, I mean, are you excited about that technology? Is that where you're headed or have yeah. you? Yeah. I for sure, yeah, I really, I'm so excited about that technology, and it would make such a difference in my life, and even if, like, Omnipod had the low glucose to spend anytime soon, like, I'd for sure, like, get that right away, and, because that would help me so much through college, and, because I'm going to be leaving next year, so. Yeah, I just said to somebody just the other day that, you know, my short-term, long-term goal for Arden is for the Horizon system for Omnipod to be ready before she goes to mm-hmm. college. Like, I think that would yeah. be such a big deal for her. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I think you're right on because just watching my son for the last three or four weeks, he'd be so pissed if he knew I talked about him on this podcast, but um, <laughs> he'll never know. Uh, but so he's, you know, on the baseball team at his, at his college. Mm-hmm. And so he's an incredibly fit person. Like he's one of those people who takes off his shirt and you're like, wow, like he should be like in a magazine, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and incredibly athletic, incredibly fit, uh, good eater, you know, all this stuff. But he gets to college. It's his first time living away from home. Mm-hmm. Practice starts a few days in a week and a half later, he gets a bad head cold. He gets it into his mind that he wants to eat healthier because while he doesn't eat badly, he's still got some junk food in his diet and he doesn't eat enough greens. So he starts to flip his whole thing around. And now he's sick. He's overtaxed with, with you know, school and now, you know, practices that are now happening daily and li- getting, mm-hmm. up, getting up to lift weights at 5 o'clock in the morning. And yeah. In just three weeks, I found myself thinking, how would he do this if he had type 1? Like, mm-hmm. I, know, I know he could – but at the moment, I don't, I can't imagine how. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and mm-hmm. so I just thought, oh my gosh, like this is. And I thought about all of you, like just all the kids who are leaving for college and and mm-hmm. have type one and have varying levels of understanding of their of their their management. And so, you have a little bit of time left. What's your like? Are you are you? Is this your new normal where you're keeping your blood sugar and you think this is how it's going to be? Do you think you'll start to like tighten it down again closer to where you were? Like what do you have an idea about that or are you just sort of going with it for now? Um I mean, I really like I really like where I am now, like just trying to stay between 120 and 140. That's where I feel my best and I have a cushion if I if I I drop for some random reason. Um but Is I it, obviously uh, Let me just say, if you told me 
Uh, Scott, I almost quit high school and sat in a room surrounded by pillows and sugar just in case. Like, I would be like, that makes sense to me. It, you, you know, like, like if you said to me, I, I haven't driven since then. But you, you, you're, you really are pushing ahead. Like, you drive, right? You're back at it? Yes. Did you get a better car? Like, what did you ask for this time? Like, you were probably in a position to get a really good car. You know, you could have been like, Mom, you know, it would be much safer if I had a Land Rover. And so, like, or so, did you did you play? Have you forget all that question? Let's go back, Izzy. How much of your adolescent brain is manipulating your parents based off of the guilt they must feel over what happened to you? Have you been shooting for better birthday presents, uh, better vacations? What is it you're doing to those poor people? You tell me about that now. Well, the biggest thing would probably be making them get me a dog. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, so we actually have two dogs now. We just got one a few months ago, and she's almost four pounds now. <laughs> so, so here's how I imagine. Your parents are in bed at night. It's late. You guys are asleep. Your sisters are gone. And, uh, and uh, one of them turns to the other one and goes, the one that almost died in the car accident wants a dog. How are we going to say no to that? <laughs> and then you're like in your room, like, like snidely whiplash, which is something you don't even understand. It's just a reference. And you're like wringing your hands together like, a, like an evil genius. Like, I got a dog. Like, what do I do next with this new power? Seriously, you're like a wizard at this point. You just need to wish for something in front of those two people, and it's going to happen. What do you want? You should test this, Izzy. Tell them you want the ceiling in your room painted black and see if they don't go to like Home Depot this weekend and start buying paint. You'll stop it before they do it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but seriously, I think you're in a power position still. Don't let too much time go by because they're going to be like, oh, you know what? We've forgotten about that already. You really got to gotta strike while the iron's hot here. You should make a list of things you need and really get to it is what I'm saying. Um, are you dating? I am. <laughs> Did you, is this a guy, I'm sorry, a girl, is this person, somebody before the accident or? Um, no, I have a boyfriend and we met after my accident. I see. This accident's been a real boon for you. Besides the <laughs> spleen and the kidney thing and all the incredible injuries and pain and suffering. It's a funny story because we actually met after the gala that I spoke at and he kind of just congratulated me off of that and then. We just kind of like started hanging out after that. I hear what you're saying. Listen, any and, any 17-year-old boy who's got the wherewithal <laughs> to say, hey, good job on a, speaking at a gala, you got to imagine it's a pretty good kid because um, are you finding him to be a nice boy so far? Yes. Yes. He's right. actually a type 1 diabetic too. No kidding. Yeah. And does he go to your school? No, he's actually a year older than me. Oh, I see. How are our parents with that? Well, what are they going to say? You must die in a car accident. You're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're okay with it. They really like him. Yeah. yeah. Izzy, you're not seeing this right. They're good with anything that doesn't end with you not being alive anymore. You're really in the driver's seat here, like literally and figuratively. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so glad you have a good sense of humor because it's just such a sad story. Like if we didn't laugh, I'm not sure what we would have done for the last hour. Um, <laughs> seriously. No, it's okay. Mike. Even my dad's made a joke, like, even on the day of my accident, like, I missed the turn into my house, and, like, he was driving me back from somewhere, like, a month ago, and he's like, so, you turn here to get back home. <laughs> that's what you need, is your, well, yeah, see, but that's a good indication that you're going to lose your magic power soon, so, yeah. you got to get, like, really, like, apply to a really expensive school or something right now, like, you know, something like that. you got to get out of Ohio. Isn't it cold there in the winter? 
Um, yeah, it's pretty cold here yeah, in the winter. <laughs> a little south wouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? Not not, yeah. not to where those those hurricanes are, though. I don't know. There's nowhere to live. <laughs> the, by the way, honestly, none of this matters because I don't know if you've seen the uh, the projections today that the, the temperature of the earth is going to rise seven degrees in the next, like, in 90. <laughs> We're all just going to cook to death anyway. It's not, not really going to matter. Um, so what do you, do you have planned? Do you know what you want to do in college? I, it's such a silly question, I think, but it, maybe you have a thought. Yeah. So even before my accident, it was, pr- I've always wanted to go into nursing, mm-hmm. which probably was just cause I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And like, I've never really seen myself like in business. I've always wanted to be like around helping people. And then yeah. just like after my accident, like that kind of made me want to be a nurse even more like to see like how much the nurses there helped me and like how like I could even help eventually like with cross management between trauma patients and chronic illnesses like di- especially like diabetes. So that's always been my dream to be a nurse. That's excellent. You think you do you have the aptitude like you are you kind of science and math minded? Yes. Good for you. That's I am. Excellent. Yeah. yeah right. Nice. You have any schools in mind? Um. Well, I've really just been look. I've really just been looking at schools in Ohio, like um, OSU, Miami, and UC. I really haven't toured that many out of state yet. No, so. listen, you don't have to. I'm, you're probably used <laughs> to the cold. I mean, as soon as they invited me to your thing, I was like, "What month is it? Am I going to freeze?" That was my first question. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's, it'll probably be cold when you're here. <laughs> and my next one is in a couple months in Phoenix, and so I was oh, like, wow. they were like, "Hey, can you come out?" I'm like, "Not in the summer, not in the summer." I have my fingers crossed. They're like, "How's February?" I'm like, "Yeah, I could do that." Like, so, <laughs> just take me somewhere warm. There's an yeah. actor named Michael Caine. Um, who you may not know, he's an older man at this point, but I heard him interviewed once and he said, somebody asked him how he picks his, his projects. And he says, uh, in the cold months, he's British, but I don't have a British accent. He goes, in the cold months, I pick warm weather locations. And in the warm months, I pick cold weather locations. And I was like, what an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Guy's got his finger on the pulse of his art. He's like, just, yeah. I just want to be comfortable. I don't care about these movies. That's what I heard. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, really, just so I can give advice to any type ones out there is just to like do your best to pre-treat. Like, I try to do it like twenty to thirty minutes before I actually eat my food, depending on what my blood sugar is. But if you can pre-treat, that'll take so much like of like the pain away, like. If you pre-treat, you won't have a high that could later cause a low, and it helps keep you stable and feel good. And we didn't know to pre-treat until we listened to your podcast, because Children's Hospital never said anything about that. And pre-treating has made me feel so much better and just helped with my A1C and everything. Oh, that's excellent. And and listen, yeah. I, I'm going to go into that a little bit, but I, let me just preface it by saying I'm not judging anything about your situation, okay? But yeah. But as you've explained it today, had you been more aggressive up front with that meal, right, then you would have gotten less of a spike, which would have yeah. would have then you wouldn't have had to have been so aggressive afterwards. And then all those hours later when that food left your system, because that's all that happened to you in that mm-hmm. moment is that the food yeah. finally got through your system, but there was still a bunch of insulin left behind. Right, yeah. So, so when you hear me tell people – this whole thing's about timing and amount that really resonates with you, I imagine. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there really isn't much more to it than that. You just have to have the right amount in at the right time. And when the, when the food or when your physiological reason for your blood sugar wanting to be higher is gone, there can't be a ton of insulin left over. It's still working. It's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. Wow. My gosh. Izzy, um, I, I want to say that I'm really genuinely like touched that you came on because I thought there was a moment, you know, months and months later when I was talking to your mom and I said, you know, if, and it, I just said, if Izzy, if Izzy ever wants to come tell her story about this, like she can, but mm-hmm. please, if she never did, I would think nothing of it. And I'm not pressuring you, obviously, like she could just do it. And, and, and what I heard from your mom and actually from people, other people too, is that I don't know how comfortable she is talking about time. And you sounded so comfortable today. Like I'm so, I'm so pleased for you of how far you've come through this in such a short amount of time and that, yeah. you, and that you wanted to do it here. I really, it's really like touching. So thank you very much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And I just want to help inspire others and help others learn from what happened to me. Well, Izzy, I think what you said is incredibly inspirational because what you, here's the crux of what you said. Diabetes is not always easy. Some scary things can happen. They might try to kill you, those scary things. That doesn't mean that you can stop doing what you need to do. And, and I think that there's so much wisdom in that and, and bravery. Like, and I, I really don't like the word bravery because I don't think people are brave because they want to be. I think people are brave because they have to be. But so maybe bravery is not the word. Like there's, there's a conviction to what you're saying and a steadfastness to what you're saying that is incredibly just inspirational. Like because I've been alive for almost 50 years and I've seen things in my life that have made me go, hey, you know what, let's just give up on that because, you, you know, because that's too scary. And you, that easily could have happened to you. And, it, and that it didn't is... Like I said, it's just monumentally in, in, inspiring. Like it, it really, really is. So I felt that the day I spoke to your mom, like when she said in the hospital, like Izzy was like, hey, what's my blood sugar? We got to get it down. Like, I thought like, good for her. Like that's like, wow. You, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe it's just your youth. Like maybe, maybe it's just your ignorance in youth. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you were 30, you'd be like, Hey, you know what? Never mind. Um, <laughs> but, but to hear you talk right at the end here about how to manage a meal, I just think that's, that's spectacular. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, no, oh, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. Well, I will see you. When am I going to see you? Hold on a second. Let's take a look. I am going to see you soon, right? November. Yeah, I think it's like November 3rd. And 3rd, 4th. yeah. Yeah, right. It's like it's like I come Saturday night for some dinner and then the thing happens on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's right. the day after my 18th birthday. Is it so. really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Izzy, I'm going to make people sing happy birthday to you during the <laughs> lunch. Are you going to be you have to come are you going to come when I do the podcast live at lunch? Probably. And then I'm going to make everyone sing to you at the end. It's going to be incredibly embarrassing. I hope you're ready. <laughs> um, so uh, you're the girl that lived. I don't know what to say. Like you, you're, you're, you're the Harry Potter for Ohio. Um, it really is. Uh, seriously, I'll let you go in a second. But y- your your overall attitude about this is uncommonly sunny. And I don't feel like you're hiding some horrible sadness by acting happy. Um, yeah. It, it, 
it really is a testament to, I don't know exactly what, but to how you were raised or who you are or a combination of a lot of things. But you should know that something like this, it stops most people from living well. And that, and that you didn't have that reaction is, is such a great reflection on you. Mm-hmm. So seriously, like, well done. You know, Thank you. yeah, no, absolutely. I know in your mind, you don't see another way. Like that's cause that's who I, I get from talking. You're like, that's who you are. You're like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep going. I'm, I'm going to do this, but this would have stopped a lot of people. So, um, really good for you. I do want to ask you this one last thing, but then I'll let you go. Um, you're still using a Dexcom CGM. Yes. Yeah. And do you, do you hold any like ill will about it? Not doing like you, you, you seem very reasonable because I believe it. The technology is not perfect, and you can't count mm-hmm. it a hundred percent. But it yeah. would be easy for you to be angry, but you don't seem so. Are you? I'm not mad at that because the Dexcom has saved my life multiple times. Like after a volleyball game, like when I'd go to like in the 30s at night, like it always caught that. So I, I, yeah, and I love the Dexcom. It's it really has helped me with a lot. And, I just think it was because I didn't really learn my body and I like 100% trusted the machine. But like now I've learned to like listen to my feel like, like, um, not like understand how I'm feeling um, and not just rely on the Dexcom. Yeah. I, I think that's incredibly smart. Like it, mm-hmm. it just, there's, there's times when you have to just say, I know what this says, but my experience tells me differently. Yeah. And, and you made such a good point earlier in, in when we were talking about how you kind of were just treating it like a GPS and you never really learned the roads. And mm-hmm. and that is, again, that's an, another great thing for people to understand. Because for me, if Arden would have been in that situation that you described, there would have been a time where I would have been like, hey, we have to test here because we used a lot of insulin. And, yeah. and, and, and it's just experience like I have that thought because I have 12 years of experience with it you're four years into it y- yeah y- you know so it's I'm gonna think a lot about what you said about the about that GPS thing so I, I appreciate that very much today's episode of the juice box podcast is sponsored as always by dexcom omnipod and dancing for diabetes you can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod right now. You can go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And of course, you can go to dancing4diabetes.com. That's dancing the number four diabetes.com just to see adorable pictures of children with diabetes dancing. There's other reasons to go, but the cute kids are the best reason. There's also links in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you click on them, it helps the show. This is Izzy Meehan, and you're listening to the Juicebox Plot. Oh, wait, I messed up. <laughs> this is Izzy Meehan, and you're listening to the Juicebox Podcast. <laughs>